Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So the, the cool thing about this is it kind of fits in with everyone we're going to be talking about. So I'm just going to do a quick recap of the series because there was this series has actually been a bit intense, I'm not even going to lie. Um, so we've been talking about consciousness, and the reason we've been talking about that is because actually when we look at the Genesis narrative and the way that the, the story starts of mankind, it starts with um, God kind of having a conversation with himself. There's this consciousness going on. He kind of says, let us make man in our likeness and our image. And then when we see the whole human narrative take place with, with Adam and with Eve, we, we see this unique difference that sets them apart from everything else in creation. There is this conscious mind on a different level to everything else. And so we were made in the image of this God. And then the second week, what we flowed into was, I guess maybe Eminem would describe it best. He did a song called Guilty Conscience. And actually these voices, these voices, I hear them, I hear them. And we're not talking about anyone hearing voices, but actually, where do you go when your consciousness gets broke? Where do you go when the very internal voice and dialogue that you have is not a positive one, it is a negative one, it is a destructive one, it is one that is causing you, yourself, um, grievously, grievous mental, spiritual, emotional trauma and harm. And that was what we walked into. And then the third week, Mr. Andre Anderson dropped some bombs on us because we were talking about solipsism, which is the belief and the understanding, which me and my friends, I mean, I guess we only really debated and discussed this when we were drunk at like 14, 15, but it was like the kind of thing that always come in conversation when it's like a deep, meaningful thing when you're talking about stuff. And I remember my mate, Rob, he probably epitomized this best. Um, he was completely, absolutely smashed on a night out. And actually getting him home alive was a miracle of God. I, I can't, I'm not even kidding you. Um, I remember there were these two blondes he was chatting to and these huge hench skinheads with them. And um, they were like, oh, excuse me, that's my girlfriend. And I remember him going, you can have them back when I'm done. And um, I'm the cyber one standing next to him like, hey guys, you know, we don't need to... We don't need to bury me. We can kind of, we can work through this. Um, and he's not using this as, oh, Andy's getting us out. He's using this, oh, great, he's buying me some time. And so he's carrying on chatting to them. I'm about to die. Um, I get him home. I remember actually having to carry him up the stairs. He's a really big guy. And put him in his bed. And I remember he was just talking about solipsism. Like, you know, nothing's really real. It's just me. And you're a figment of my imagination. I'm thinking, like, if you knew how much this figment suffered to keep you alive tonight, <laughs> you'd know that's not true. Um, and then I remember him saying, when you take away everything, what's left? And I was just like, good night. Because <laughs> that's a kind of meaningful, meaningless discussion. But with solipsism, it's kind of like the idea that no one else's consciousness is real, only your own consciousness is real, nothing else is actually there. And the reason that's a legitimate opinion is because when it comes to science, science cannot scientifically prove human consciousness. Can't do it, you can't externally measure something that's internal. So they have no means of access to it, so therefore the one fundamental thing that every single human being on this planet believes is human consciousness cannot be proven by science, along with pain, which is a great one. Because I think everyone who's ever stubbed their toe on the end of the bed knows that pain is a real thing. But for science, it's made a contact, there's a reference to that, but why should pain exist? And it's the same with love as well, which is funny because God is love. So therefore, I'm not surprised he can't be measured. But when we look at solipsism, we looked at a God who calls us out of that. And as we transitioned from a God who calls us out of solipsism and that mentality, because even if we don't say that we believe that that line of view, that we are the only real human consciousness and nothing else really here, 
actually, when we look at the world around us, that's how a lot of people live, because people don't live taking into account the knock-on effect of their actions, whether that be financially, whether that be um, to the environment, or to all these other things. Like, for example, there is an island of plastic which will soon be bigger than Texas, and by the year 2050, there will be more, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. More plastic in the ocean than fish. And if people don't think that's a knock-on consequence to that that's going to affect humanity and the world, we are sadly mistaken. But we still love plastic straws at McDonald's, so what are we going to do about it? Hey, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So we live in a world that may not openly say solipsism is what we buy into, but it is what we buy into. Because all we ever think about is my agenda and what I want. And then the week four, which was last week, what we talked about was we talked about this, this Greek notion, Ecclesia, which is something that wasn't uh, translated as church, but it isn't a Christian thing. The Jewish people had their own ecclesia in the time of the New Testament, which is why you hear Jesus, when you read it in English, saying church. It wasn't this new thing that he'd come up with, that he'd invented. It was something that happened among the Hebrew people. They'd had their local gatherings, and it meant a people called out together for a purpose. And last week, what we were talking about is we were talking about the purpose of this ecclesia is like a collective consciousness. It's no longer the individual consciousness. It's a collective. It's coming together for a purpose. So for us at City Hill, we come together to light up our world so that people far from God can find life in Christ. And so we have our values that go shine, which is about our lives. We want to be people that shine. Every day is Sunday. is about a day of rest because you know what? You make terrible decisions if you're not well rested. That's why when you look at the Ten Commandments, it stops at the fourth with the Sabbath and then about murder. God didn't put murder as higher on the agenda as Sabbath because you only really want to kill your kids when you're knackered. Like the amount of times when Eden's just kicking off and I'm thinking, I could leave her out on the balcony right now. I could just lock that door and she'd be like, ah, and I'd be like, hey. You know what I mean? That only happens when you're tired. But when you're well rested, you make better decisions than that. Not that I've ever done that. No one needs to call Childline. So... Shining is about being radiant, it's about being alive um, in, in a positive, healthy way, not in a comatized, walking dead, zombie way. Invite, um, invite people to, to church, invite people to the party, the eternal life, um, and into your life. That actually, that we are called as people in this church to do life um, with one another and with those people around us that we really share our lives in a meaningful way, not tokenistic in nature. And that giving is living. And actually your, your time is a precious gift that only you can give, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Because Apollo, I mean, how he has served at City Hill is absolutely out of this world. And I mean out of this world. Because I spoke at an event in Birmingham years ago, and I remember it because I didn't get paid. <laughs> and when I don't get paid for a speaking gig, I remember it. Because I, I, I never get paid a lot. Of, well, that's not necessarily true. I have once before, once been paid a lot of money. And that was like a, Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm not paid a lot of money. Like, it's like, here you go. Have a Kinder Egg. You're like, yes. You know, it's great. Um, but this time, I didn't get that. And I didn't even get my petrol. And I'm like, dang it, man. I've gone away to Birmingham. These guys didn't want petrol. I was ticked off. And I'll never forget it. Years later, I thought, oh, well, I didn't think too much of it, and I thought, well, that was a complete waste of my time, and that was meant to be like a big event. There was like eight, 900 people heard me speak. I really hoped something significant was gonna happen in my life, because I thought I dropped bombs. They didn't really get what I was talking about. <laughs> we were on a different page, I guess. And then years later, I'm trying to do this church thing, and I'm talking to a friend, and I'm just saying to them like, hey, you know, I really need to get this designer, because I need a designer to do these series designs for us, because we want to do things really different from churches I've known and experienced it. And they said, you've got to speak to my friend Apollo. And then I messaged Apollo, I think it was on Facebook. Uh, I, found this, I found this guy through, and I, I messaged him, I think it was Facebook, it might be an email, my memory's a bit blurry. And all I remember was getting this reply that said, 
I've been waiting for you to contact me. <laughs> and all I can remember was when he said that, was I was thinking, like, like the, type, the, type of, the type of Christian I am, that was almost the moment where I didn't reply, bruv. I'm not even gonna lie, man. I was like, oh my days, this guy, this guy is gonna be on a long team, bruv. Like, 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 I just wanna talk to you about a project, I wanna talk about this stuff, and he goes, I've been waiting for you to contact me. I was like, all right, Morpheus, give it a rest. This isn't the Matrix, I'm not Neo, we just wanna start a church, can you do some design work for us? Um, and then, he was like, yeah, cool, I'll do it. And I was like, great, okay, well, what, how much? And he said, I'll do it free. And then I was like, I replied back saying like, I don't think you understand what I'm asking you for. I'm not asking you for one design. I'm asking you indefinitely to do the designs for an indefinite period of time. And then he replied, I don't think you understand <laughs> that I know that. And if there's ever a problem, I'll get back to you and we can, we can re rediscuss things. That was like this... That was, that was almost around about this time, actually. To be fair, it was actually about this time, five years ago. Maybe it was a good thing we delayed doing the award. We tried to do it in August. Because, um, yeah, it's probably about five years from now. And Apollo, for almost four years, every single month, and he wasn't even attending this church. He wasn't even here. This wasn't his church. And he was doing that and doing that and doing that. And then it was just before January last year where he was like, I feel God, wow, the Lord is in this place. He's knocking our sign down. Jeez. Um, it was like just before January and he was like, you know, I feel God saying that this is where I need to be and that I should have been here and um, I'm sorry and I'm going to be here now. And like for me, that was like, it was like the National Lottery numbers just got called and I had the ticket and um, we are so blessed at church and we're so grateful. And the reason that kind of connects is because this week what we're talking about is we're moving on from the idea of Ecclesia, but we're still with the idea of Ecclesia. They're overlapping circles and we're talking about enthusiasm. The reason we're talking about enthusiasm is because um, enthusiasm comes from, um, from, from this kind of Greek word, uh, entheos, which is in and God. It's the God within. So enthusiasm is the God within. So enthusiasm is not a false inspiration. It's real enthusiasm. It is from the inside out. It's not excitement. It's not emo emotionalism. The world calls us to be excited, stimulated by external things that are around us that we get excited about. God calls us to be enthusiastic, motivated by Holy Spirit from within. Excitement begins with X, meaning outside, while the word enthusiasm begins with N, meaning inside. Nothing wrong with excitement. It's a great thing when somebody or something lights our fire but it's a lot more empowering and lasts longer if you can learn to tap into the God within than having to use external forces to be your drivers that motivate you to your goals. Um, and when we talk about like um, Apollo, man, I'm telling you, I've had guys that I've tried to do a project with as a one-off thing. It's been hard to see them motivated to stay with you for something where you just need it in a couple of weeks and it's all done. I'm talking about five years and the guy is still excited about the next series we're gonna work on, the next design we're gonna do, because we're not doing it for any old reason. It's because, and Theos, it's because of the God within that drives us towards achieving the mission, which has fallen down, because I can't point to it anymore. That, that the devil is a liar, I'm telling you, bro. Um, but that is what is so amazing about your Apollo, and why we're so grateful, and which is why I'm so glad with the award you got double-double, double-double-o. Uh, we're going Nigerian this morning. And um, I'm so excited about that because of that very thing. And actually, it's a depth of assurance and a confidence of who you are in Christ that ignites enthusiasm. It's contagious. Another one bites dust. Dun, dun, dun. Come on, come on, give. Come on, invite. You can jump down to the party as well. It's not just for shine in the mission statement.
all are welcome to yeah no one else jump please because like, <laughs> we don't want anyone to get hurt or anything like that to make the most of what's around you you must unleash what's inside of you the God within so I think excitement starts from the outside let's start from the outside and then work our way in on this story so where a lot, of, a lot of the discussion around Holy Spirit comes from is it stems back to a time in Egypt. It stems back to um, slavery. It stems back to a people beat down, abused, downtrodden, broken, and crying out to God, and God hearing their cry, and God delivering them, which is ironic, because that was the first series you ever did a design for for us. And he hears their cry, and he puts this plan into motion, and he frees them, and he liberates them from Egypt. And the thing that happens is after they're free from their slavery, there's this vacuum in their lives because when you remove the systems around you that you're used to, speak to someone who's been in prison, all institutionalized, come outside, they go back to what they knew before. Almost every single time, you have to put a strong plan in place. So they leave Egypt, Moses leaves them for a few seconds, their first time on their own outside of prison in this whole new world, and they are back at their old world. They've got this gold they've melted down, they've made an Egyptian god that they used to worship, and they're all bowing down. And Moses comes back down the mountain, he smashes the commandments down that God has given them because he's so fuming because the very thing that was there to prevent them from wasting their life in the foolishness of slavery was in his hands, and he got vexed, and he smashed it, and ends up having to trudge back up the mountain, go through all that malarkey again, and come back down. But the journey from when they were set free in Egypt after having a meal called Passover, and coming to this mountain called Mount Sinai or, or Moab, the mountain of God, um, they, they, they have this, this, this experience where it's 50 days later. It's 50 days later. And actually we see a mirror in the New Testament that kind of goes along with that because what happens with Passover is they have this, this moment where the people of Israel are in slavery and God says, I want you to take... Um, a one-year-old lamb, I want you to cut it, I want you to put the blood on the doorpost, on the lintels, and the angel of death is coming, and when it passes over, it's gonna see the blood, it's gonna move over your house. If you don't put it there, the firstborn son in that house will die because he's told Pharaoh, take your hand off my firstborn son, Israel. If you don't take your hand off my firstborn son, I will kill your firstborn son, just like you killed generations of boys in Israel um, before. And so Pharaoh goes, no, I won't let them go. So God says, rags, it's on. And so then Moses goes away, tells the people, you prepare this meal, you eat this today, and then you are ready to leave into freedom in the morning. Be prepared to leave into freedom. Be prepared for a new way of life. Be prepared for a whole new world if we're going to sing Disney. And they, they, they get ready and they get their bags packed and they are totally ready to go. And then what happens is they have this meal, they put the blood there, and then the people go free. And you know what? That's a really exciting, liberating, powerful thing. And when they come to this mountain of God, what happens is the, we look at it as the law of God. It's always a thing that is held over you to judge you. There's this thing of like, you don't measure up to this law. It's always on YouTube. There's always a Christian going, let's see if you get past the Ten Commandment test. Like it's a litmus test that, that God is like, oh, you are acid. Oh, no, you're alkali. Oh, you nasty. You know what I mean? It's this, this, this thing that we kind of do with it. And in church, we always beat people over the head with. But for the children of Israel, it was totally different. They left Egypt with this vacuum in their lives, no understanding their identity. They'd been beaten down and trodden down as slaves with no idea of where they were going. When God gave them the law, what the Psalmists talk about is they talk, I will meditate on your instruction day and night. It was their instruction for how they were to live. It was the very DNA of who they were to become, the habits, the people, the structure, the society. It was an incredible, liberating, powerful, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional 
activity and instrument that God would use as a tool to put structure around their lives to safeguard this people. But you see, the thing about the stone is, the stone is something you get excited about. This new way of life is something you get excited about because it's external, it's outside of you. It's this instruction on tablets of stone. And so what happens in the New Testament is, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus comes into this world. This new young rabbi is causing a scene. He's like dropping mad bars on the scene. People are getting a bit upset about him. Loads of people want to duppy this you, and they do in the end. And then what happens is at the time when he is about to go to the cross, he's taken by a board before Pilate. And then Pilate looks at him and says, I find no fault with this man, yet I will whip him anyway. And Jesus is whipped and the blood flows from his back. And what they would do in the Old Testament with the Passover lamb, when they remembered it and they celebrated it, they would take the lamb, they would look at it, it's without blemish, no broken bones, no skin problems, and then they would whip it and the blood would come from, they would cut it, the whip, blood would come from the back of it and they'd say, this is sacrificially fit to be the Passover lamb. And then they would go and they would slay it and then that would be a part of their whole kind of Passover tradition. They'd do it year on, year out. And so before Jesus is taken by Pilate, he's with the lads, they're sitting down having Passover and he takes the bread and he kind of like goes like, this is, this is my body broken for you and for many. And then he breaks the bread and he kind of gives it out. I will eat that later. Uh, <laughs> and he breaks it. And then they're looking at it and they're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Your body broken for us. This isn't about you. This is Egypt. This is Passover. We come here every year and we celebrate Passover. We all come to Jerusalem. We celebrate Passover. And then before they can like go, Jesus, you heretic, what are you talking about? He's now got the wine, which is symbolizing the blood of the lambs that liberate the people from Egypt. And he's pouring it and he says, this is my blood poured out for you and for many. That have been like good Jewish boys going like, you are a heretic. You are absolutely insane. This blood isn't about you. This is about Egypt. We're remembering our past. What are you doing? And then Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And then he's taken before Pilate and Pilate is eyeing him up. And Pilate says, I find no fault with this man. And then he is whipped and the blood flows from his back. And then he becomes what John said he was, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus dies on this cross and there are people that didn't know it, that from that day forward, it's almost like the same day every day where we have this new opportunity that we never had before, where we need to be prepared to move out from where we are into new freedom that God has for us. And so for some of us, what happens when we take communion is one of two things, is either we come to it looking back on a moment that has just passed, and we go, thank you, Lord, for liberating me. Thank you for setting me free from my situation. Thank you for doing this in my life. So Jesus didn't say do this members of Egypt because you and I don't have Egypt in, in common. What we all have in common is our sin because every human being, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what unites every human being is sin. And so what happens here is they remember Jesus in their own way because my sin is different from your sin and your sin is different from mine. What holds you down is different from mine. And you remember. For some of us, we remember and we look back and we go, thank you for what you've done. And I do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. For others of us, we come to the, the communion and what we're saying is, Lord Jesus, I'm in slavery like they were in slavery in Egypt. And I'm taking this body broken for me and this blood poured out for me and for many. And I am looking to you, trusting that you will liberate me and that I will step out into this newness of life. And then what happens is Jesus dies. He's risen from the dead in the Christian tradition. And I hundred believe, I believe that of everything in my life. That's the one thing I have my entire existence banked on. And what happens is he ascends to be with the father. And he says to them that a helper will come. A helper will come. We started this series by God saying, it is not good for man to be alone. And he gave him a helper. And that was, was Eve. There's this, there's this thing about you and I that 
is unerring, there's this unairy feeling that we always have because of solipsism, because of this understanding we only have our own human consciousness, that we can have this illusion that we are totally and unbelievably alone because no matter, no matter what, like me and Jody, we're married and we spend all the time in the house together, but we're still so alone because you only have your consciousness. You can have the communication verbally, but there is still just you with your consciousness. Like what you choose to communicate, even with the closest person to you, isn't the entirety of it. And so what happens in, in this moment is, Jesus sends 50 days later, just like you had the law of God 50 days after Passover. Pentecost means 50th. 50 days after Jesus dies on the cross as the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. There we go, invite, just you buddy. <laughs> jump, 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 jump. <laughs> And um, what, what happens is 50 days after Jesus dies and is risen from the dead, Pentecost comes, the Spirit of God comes, and this, this thing happens that we talked about last week. We talked about a misconception that when we talk about uh, the Bible, we talked about Ecclesia as a collective and the collective consciousness. And what we're talking about is when we read the Bible in English, we read the word you many, many times. Uh, 4,000 odd times it appears in the Bible where we read you and it's plural. But the way that we think is we always think singular because we're so self-obsessed that when we read it as you, we think you, like the big lottery finger pointing down, it's you. And so we read verses like, or do you not know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? And we talk about you as in me, the individual, singular. It's not written in the singular. It's do you not know? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that changes completely how you experience this dimension. And the reason why it's so good that we've given the award to Apollo today for this talk is for this very reason, is Apollo has a really big ministry at City Hill, but it's so different from what a lot of people call big ministry. I remember hearing a guy called Magnus Pearson and a woman came up to him and she was talking to him about her, her ministry and he said oh great you want to serve here great could you move these chairs and she said no you don't understand pastor I have a big ministry he says you're right I don't understand find another church and then he walked off and that was it she was done she was kicked out of his church I remember sitting there like whoo okay because it was a pastor's conference I was like man can, can you do that I was like that's that's insane but he then turned around and he said I haven't got time to waste of people that don't want to be a part of the mission there are loads of churches that have got room for their big, wonderful ministry. We're in this together. What I love about Apollo is he does have a big ministry here. Don't find another church, please. <laughs> you're, 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 you're welcome here. You're loved. You're amazing. But what he has is he plugs into the vision that is on the floor, um, laying over there, having a nap. Nice one, vision. Thanks for that mission. That's great. And um, he plugs into that. Everything he's doing, he's serving to, to help achieve that, to be a part of it, because he gets ecclesia. And the idea of the, the Spirit of God within is about empowering us together as a collective to fulfill the ambition and the call that God has for us as a collective, not as individuals, not pulling off in his own direction, not pushing for like apollosministries.com that, that, that he wants to kind of like do this like side thing, like nothing wrong with doing your own thing, that's cool, I do some of my own stuff as well, that's great. But when, it comes, when he comes to church, he's not here trying to do that, he's here trying to be a part of the collective and pushing in. And that is what we're talking about today. God's word written on our hearts. We've gone from excited about a piece of stone in front of us, which is external, to God coming inside and writing the law of God, his instructions on our hearts. And that's when you become enthused. And that's when you last the test of time. 
And that's when you push through the obstacles, no matter how big and how bad, no tough, how painful, how challenging, you push through them, not because you're excited, but because you're enthused, because the God within is pushing you past. The God within is pushing you forward. The God within is enabling you to overcome. So when we look back over this series, we've had consciousness, we've had broken consciousness, we've had solipsism, we've had Ecclesia Church, and today we wrap it up with the God within because actually none of that makes sense and the whole narrative comes together with the glue that sticks it all together, which is God's Spirit. And I believe I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to ask God's Spirit to come and to connect with us as individuals, but as a collective, because there's a collective consciousness that He wants to build within His church and among His people because God wants to come and live inside of us. There was a slavery in Egypt. There was deliverance with Passover, 50 days. God's instruction, this marriage, this law, this new people, a new way of living. Slavery of sin, Jesus, the Lamb of God, Pentecost, 50 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. God lives within his people. Or do you not know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? God wants to live inside of us. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for enthusiasm. We thank you for entheos. We thank you for the God within. And we just ask that you would empower us. We ask that Spirit of God, you would come, you would connect us and empower us together. Help us to be united towards the mission, the vision and the call that you have for us in your church. Help us to be a part of the bigger collective, the bigger story and the bigger narrative. Would you come in your power over the days, the weeks, the months, the years, that we wouldn't live our lives purely as the singular, but focus on the plural, that we would push on towards the mission, the vision, the values that you have for us, that it won't just be our agenda, but it'll be your agenda. And that as a collective, we will have a collective consciousness as a, as a, as a church, but that also as individuals, we will feed into that. And that just like today, we can celebrate the individual, but we don't just celebrate the individual, we celebrate the entire collective because of the way that they flow into the mission and the vision that you have for us. Lord God, I just pray that you would um, be with us. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing healing nature that comes by Holy Spirit. We talked about consciousness in week one and in week two. We talked about broken consciousness. Where do you go when your consciousness is broken? Well, Father, Holy Spirit comes and lives within and starts to heal us from the inside out. starts to transform us from within. The law of God written on stone, it just convicts us and that's where it leaves us. But when you come and live within, you transform us from the inside out. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would transform us and help conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. If City Hill is your home church, I want to encourage you uh, to do... I'm just looking. Forget the signs. I just, yeah, the writing is on the wall. It's face down. I really want to encourage you to, to check out our website. Um, there is a Get LinkedIn page, which has different key ways that you can serve at City Hill. It's so important to get plugged in and to serve because that is where Holy Spirit wants to enthuse you and push you forward that not just us as the collective, but the community outside can reap the benefits from who we're going to be. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.